The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I'm your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 17 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Happy fall. My favorite season is upon us, but it hasn't necessarily been feeling like fall as of late in New York City. <laughs> Every year seems a little weirder. Um, it's it's hard to remember the end of September every year through my childhood, but it definitely feels like the world is evolving and it feels kind of frightening to think of why or how far it will go. On f- the first day of fall here in New York, it was like 88 degrees in the city. It was really nice out, but it was like concerningly nice. Like one of those things where you're like, oh, well, that feels good. Or like that tastes really good, but it's probably like 5,000 calories. Or like that feels good, but it's probably really bad for you. Those kind- kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I really like fall. Fall is one of my favorite things. New ballet seasons are kicking off. Um, so that gives me something to be excited about. My birthday is in October. I love Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite holidays. So is Halloween. Um, it's like the new, the beginning of the new school year. Like there, there are so many great things about fall. So I'm focusing on that. This year has been very different for me as I have been in the city more dedicating time to building movement headquarters. It's been kind of weird not like being on the train or on a bus for hours and hours and hours every week. Um, But I'm definitely probably just as busy, if not more busy. We are heading into our last two weeks of our first official fundraising campaign for Movement Headquarters Ballet Company. So I've been working hard on that. We've already raised $10,000, which is just crazy to me. $10,000 in private donations. We still have a long way to go in our Indiegogo campaign, and we're hoping to raise $28,000 by the time that we get to our February launch. So if you do want to help support us, please consider heading to our Indiegogo page and making a donation there. If you need that information, you can go to my Facebook page, or you can go to my Instagram at bcorollis, and I have links all over different posts and usually my bio. If you go on Friday on my Instagram page, it will probably be the link to this uh, podcast, but I usually change it back to the donation page on Saturday. So um, please, please, please consider supporting us. What else? Uh, Other than that, classes are going on as usual at Broadway Dance Center, and I'm beginning to put together new choreography for a launch. I have a ton of other exciting personal developments that I just can't announce yet, um, but I'm hoping that I will be able to tell you some of them soon. Some very cool things are happening, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to what this season has to offer. Oh, also, I'm heading to San Francisco uh, the week after my birthday, so I'll be in the Bay Area from, uh, I think it's like the 15th of October through the 22nd or 23rd. So uh, if any listeners in the area are interested in master classes or choreography, 
Honestly, like I would not mind sharing my love for dance for a day or two. Obviously, I'm spending most of the time with my my friends out there. But um, if you're looking for master classes or choreography, I would love to share this art of dance with you. So uh, you can reach out to me on social media or go to my my webpage www.barrycrolls.com. All right. Let's move on to today's topic. I've, I've been pouring through tons of different topic ideas for this week's episode. It's the beginning of ballet seasons across the globe. Our president could be impeached. It's the beginning to a new school year, and male dancers are being made fun of across TV networks for <laughs> enjoying our art form. But none of these really appealed to me uh, when I started thinking of topics. I've either discussed them before, or they've been beaten to a pulp in the media. So I'm going to talk about something different. Since fall is more like the new year than January 1st, I mean, really, if you think about it, like most people start new things in September, the end of August and September. Um, so I thought that I would talk about new beginnings. And well, my new beginnings are starting my own company. So I, I'm going to talk about things that I've learned about myself, the dance world, and the business world as I've been building Movement Headquarters Ballet Company from scratch. I'm just thinking that this might be helpful to people, anybody that's considering starting a company or that is involved in the dance world because some of the things I'm learning, it's really interesting to see like the other side of uh, the perspective of a company. Um, Whereas a dancer, I had certain thoughts about certain things and now that I'm on the other side, I go, oh, okay, that's a little bit clearer now. Um, so yeah, if you've had any connection to me, my media work or my social media, there's no way you could miss that I'm starting a new dance company in New York City, which is a daunting task. I've been ambitious my whole life and I've been seeking a platform to continue developing myself as a dance maker for quite a while. After settling in New York City, the timing finally felt right and I had decided to dive into the deep end and try to establish something that could become something. Since the beginning of 2019, I've presented on two mixed programs uh, in New York City. I did the Shared Space program at Mark Morris Dance Center, which was a really cool open format type of performance or showing where I think five choreographers showed works. And then afterwards, all of the audience members and artists and choreographers sat in a circle and we discussed the works. It was actually really interesting, especially because a lot of those artists were from the modern dance scene. So it gave me a different perspective because my work is more in the contemporary and the contemporary ballet genre. I also had a piece shown at the Steps on Broadway Performance Lab in April, um, which was more of a straightforward showing. So it gave me a chance to just like test out some dancers and to put some of my work in front of uh, smaller audiences in New York. Uh, I also got to test out my hand at directing and uh, observing whether there was interest in my work with our pre-launch event that I talked about a ton on here at the Martha Graham Studios on August 24th. Now that I'm in the process of preparing for our official launch, which I'll be talking about soon, but not quite yet, that's one of those announcements, uh, I've learned so much about myself, my art, and my community, and I want to share, as this info will be valuable for so many people from future entrepreneurs to dancers looking for jobs to audience members and arts administrators alike. So, where are we going to start? Let's start here. Nothing is born into adulthood. (laughs) Um, and this is something that I kind of understood before I, I got into 
preparing to launch this company. I mean, I remember when I was graduating from the School of American Ballet, there was a company, I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was called something like the Mid-Atlantic Ballet or like the Southeast Ballet, Mid-Atlantic Southeast Ballet, something like that. Um, It was a company that didn't exist in Charlton, South Carolina, and they were going to hire like 30 dancers, international dancers from all around, and the dancers moved down there and... uh, I mean, there, were, there was like no foundation for this company and they just were like, we're going to make this amazing thing happen. But there wasn't any like growth period and the dancers went down there, it collapsed within months and all those dancers were left without jobs and some of them even worse off were left without visas. Um, this happened again with Inland Pacific Ballet when Ethan Stiefel from American Ballet Theater went to Southern California to take over, I believe it was a school and like a small company. And then they tried to like make it a much larger company. Is this Inland Pacific or is this Ballet Pacifica? Somebody might need to fact check me on this because I'm not running to my computer. I'm pretty sure it was Inland Pacific. Um, but don't hold me to that. It's either that or Ballet Pacifica. But anyway, so they flew out to other ABT principals to run the school. And Ethan Stiefel said he wanted like a ready-made company with 30 dancers and like long-term contracts and established repertoire. And it collapsed before anything happened. Um, so that was messy. Um, and then just recently, again in Charleston, South Carolina, I think this was two years ago, American National Ballet got started out there under the same premises that the other companies did and that they were going to have 20 or 30, 40 dancers, something like that. And uh, they were going to do big things and there was tons of press around them. And I saw I saw the writing on the wall the second that they started announcing how they were planning on functioning. Um, it, it collapsed and left all of their dancers there with leases that they were tied into because the company was helping them get these leases. And then the company failed and none of them had any work and they had to stay in South Carolina with these these leases. Um, so yeah, nothing is born into adulthood. It's like <laughs> anything. Uh, a company has to start small and then you have to mature from there. You can be an infant to a toddler to a, I don't know, like a young child to a tween to a teen to a young adult to an adult and all that in between. Um, it's really necessary, I found, to, to build a company this way because usually unless you have like a crazy support team that just believes in you and is willing to donate their time to you to build a foundation, um, you have to build that foundation. No home can stand on an unsteady foundation. So um, for me, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to launch Movement Headquarters in July this year because I had applied for a CUNY initiative grant, which I talked about in a previous podcast. Um, and I didn't get it. So I was like, well, I'm still going to make it happen. And this is probably in like March or April. But when I started doing research, I quickly realized that I did not have enough time to get the funds um, to get a, like to, to secure a place to, to have the shows. I didn't have money to pay dancers. So I scaled back. And this is something that I feel I've, I've done a handful of times. You have these grand plans. You f- actually figure out what it takes to make those grand plans happen and you go okay well maybe those grand plans should just be plans and you pull you pull back a bit and you you reduce you scale and you you do something that is um manageable 
maybe pushing yourself a little bit, but manageable. Um, and that's like everything that we do as kids. Like you push the limits, maybe you fall off the playground uh, equipment and you break your arm and you go, okay, well, maybe next time I won't play that that hard. Um, or you spend all of your allowance on candy and then that toy that you've been saving up for, all of a sudden you don't have the money for it and your parents won't buy it for you. Uh, you learn all these things as a child so that when you become an adult, hopefully you have these skills to survive independently on your own. So this is essentially what it has felt like starting Movement Headquarters. I went from thinking that we were going to launch our company this summer to stepping back and then deciding that I was going to do these small little showings that I wasn't, didn't have to pay for. And then I did a little bit of fundraising to prepare for our, our first official showing um, so that we could raise interest and uh, fundraise enough so that we could actually have our performances coming up. So it looks like we're going to be launching in February. Um, and I, I'm go, it's, we're definitely going to do it. I'm hoping that we can raise enough money and time to, uh, do exactly what I want to do. But if, if I don't, then I'm going to have to like, look around at like, okay, well, is it more economical to do this piece with less elaborate costumes? Or is the lighting going to have to be more, uh, straightforward than having a lighting designer come in and create, a an intense atmosphere. Um, am I going to have to do one show instead of two shows? And I really don't want to do that. I really want to do two performances, but yeah, so this is, this is essentially what it, what it's like to build a ballet company. And then after we do our initial launch performance, I do hope to start to procure seasons and it's, it's all just going to be going from there. So I still feel very much like we are in the infancy of building movement headquarters and we have a long way to go before we mature through all those levels of of growth to becoming an adult fully funded uh full season fully contracted dancers uh dance company so yeah that's the first thing uh the, another thing that I have learned along this crazy path of starting a company is that anything worthwhile requires a community around it when I retired from the stage, I was strongly considering starting a dance company in Philadelphia. Um, and it just never felt right. I, the big challenge for me living in Philadelphia is that I was always free when I, for, for the first four years that I was living in Philly, I was essentially traveling around the country. I didn't really live in Philly. Like that was home, but I didn't live there. I lived everywhere. And then I would come back to Philadelphia. So it was my home, but I didn't feel like I lived there. And because of that, I didn't have any regular workplace and I didn't connect with any of the communities out there. Like I connected with people, but I didn't connect with the communities. So when I started thinking about starting a company, um, I didn't really feel like I had a lot of support. Um, and that's nobody's fault. It's just how it was because of the way that I've been living. So I tried to put in six months to a year to see if I could build a community. Um, but I, I didn't really feel like the communities that I were a part of had great room for growth. Um, so that's why I started looking to New York. So once we came to New York, I didn't do this like purposefully. It kind of just happened uh, naturally, um, organically. I don't know why I hate the word organic, but it happened organically where uh, I started getting regular classes at Broadway Dance Center. And all of a sudden my students, uh, my adult students became one of my communities um, and then I 
took class regularly at Steps on Broadway, and my peers and in, in those classes became my community. And then I started choreographing here and there, and those dancers that I stayed in contact with became my community. Um, and it's just it's grown exponentially from there. So it's almost like I felt like I like I needed people in my community to start pushing me because there were a couple dancers um, and other other uh, administrators that started to like give me that little nudge to be like, yo, this is your time to do this. Um, you're ready. Just jump. And finally, I decided to jump. And as soon as I jumped, my community became my safety net. And they've not only guided me, they've supported me, they've pushed me, they've uh, applauded me, and they've they've really just made this possible. And it's interesting because, I mean, I'm doing a lot of the, the, the grunt work behind building the company, but... I honestly don't think that I would be able to do it without the community around me. And that doesn't mean like people giving me money to like pay dancers and pay our bills for performance venues and whatnot. Um, it's really just like if I have something exciting happen and I, I mention it in class, like I don't even ask for this. Like my, the, the dancers, like especially my basic ballet class um, every Friday, they like applaud and they're so excited for me and it just makes me so happy to see that they're so happy to see me succeed at what I do like it's it's really just quite magical and I'm so appreciative for that so yeah anything worthwhile requires a community around it no nobody I mean I, I've I've been alone a lot since 2011 traveling from company to company granted there are other people around but like I didn't have tons of people around me regularly aside from my husband um so to be finally it took me like six years to move to new york but finally in 2019 i guess starting in 2000 mid 2018 i finally felt like i wasn't alone anymore and that that's been a very special uh and uh valuable thing for me to feel oh that was very heartwarming I just have like little notes here today, so it's I I don't know what's gonna come out, but that just put a smile on my face. Alrighty, what else? Oh, this one's very important. I've learned to take nothing personally. Um, when you do something publicly, like or you employ artists or you pay for venues and services and more, there are gonna be things that go well. There are gonna be things that get confusing that you like are able to resolve or that you don't there are things that are going to get stressful and there are going to be things that sometimes go completely awry when you're interacting with tons of people and organizations on different levels there are going to be times where people get upset about what you're doing um and what i'm slowly starting to learn is to take nothing personally it's kind of like uh my mentor nancy bilski uh she she mentioned to me like people come to class and they come to class with their own expectations some people are coming because they're just excited to be there other people are trying to stay in shape other people are coming back from an injury other people are looking for work other people they aren't in the right class but there's only class to fit in the schedule and um everybody's going through different things in their lives some some people might be having like a great day other people might have found out that they're getting divorced or they might have gotten a bad phone call or bad news or work isn't going well and all of a sudden somebody might snap at you or somebody might have a reaction to you that you weren't expecting um 
but in, in the end, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with that person. So this happens a lot when you are in charge, when you're directing. Um, there might be somebody who doesn't get back to you. Um, maybe they're really, really busy and they forgot. Um, maybe they don't want to talk to you. Maybe they don't like you and they don't want to say anything. So instead of saying something, they just don't reply. Um, the same thing with uh, a good example of this is there was a dancer that I really wanted to work with in our in our showing, and they they mentioned that the pay wasn't enough. And I had mentioned at the beginning that I, I'm sorry, I understand that our pay is enough, but we're in the very beginning stages. Um, and they said that they'd love to work with me in the future when the pay is better, and I, that's completely reasonable. I would have done the same thing when I was freelancing. Um, but like for a moment, you're like they don't care enough about me and like my work to work with me um just through this period where we're still building um it's not it's nothing personal they have pay they have to pay their bills uh this person specifically has a child like i i don't even have kids my cat costs a lot of money he's on like a special diet that costs like 70 to 80 dollars a month so <laughs> like i totally get it but um there, there was a moment where i was like oh and then I was like, you know what, this has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with them. Um, and I will try to do better in the future. And hopefully at some point that will work out. Um, another thing that I think has been interesting. So part of our fundraising mission has bring, has been hashtag bring ballet back. It's our bring ballet back campaign. Um, in New York City, I, I'm going to go into a short explanation of this. But in New York City, there hasn't been a ballet company that's really like jumped to the forefront of the concert dance scene since uh, Complexion's Contemporary Ballet opened 25 years ago. Yes, we have Cedar Lake Ballet Company, but they, they are no longer around, so I don't really count them. Um, but there, there are a handful of wonderful smaller ballet companies, but uh, if you look at like major venues that are presenting across the city from like City Center to the Joyce, they're still presenting companies that have been around for quite a long time. Like the Joyce does Ballet Hispanico and they do... Uh, they do complexions. Ballet Hispanico is 30 years old. Complexion is 25 years old. Um, City Center and the Joyce, for the most part, other than that, just bring in touring companies. Um, there have really been very few concert dance ballet companies that are local that are being presented. And I think that that's just because uh, they don't necessarily have the resources to get in front of these people. And I do have some of those resources having like writing for dance media. I'm hoping that that will allow me to at least have a pathway to have a conversation to, to give promotion or company, um, and just through other connections. So my whole goal with this bring ballet back campaign is the idea that if we can push ballet back to the forefront of the concert dance scene, um, and that these venues start to see movement headquarters as valuable, that they might actually start looking at other ballet companies in the city and consider presenting them as well. So in the process of me talking about bring, this Bring Ballet Back campaign, I heard a few whispers that people were saying, like, does he think that he's better than everybody else? Um, or like, well, ballet is still here. Um, but so what I did was I, I went on my social media, I explained it very clearly on a post, and hopefully I've quelled any concerns or disdain about that but in the end if people are talking about you and what you're saying and what you're doing it's not necessarily a bad thing as long as you're not like bad intentioned and a bad person or like doing evil things with your company so it's like uh 
that saying, like, it's better to be on the worst stress list than not to be on any list at all. Um, <laughs> hopefully we're not on the worst stress list. Hopefully we're on the best stress list. But yeah, I mean, if you put something out there publicly, you're going to be criticized. Um, so don't take anything personally. Um, oh, I should have put this back here. I'm going to talk about community for a second really quickly again. Um, I want to say build your community first, but don't feel that they owe you anything. So this is going back to anything worthwhile requires a community around it. Um, it's really difficult to just create something if you don't have support. Um, but once you have that support, don't expect anything out of them. Um, I do not walk around my ballet classes asking people for money. Um, at some point, we will probably have to hire somebody to uh, work on uh, grants and donations and whatnot. And they, they will obviously have to reach out to people um, asking if they're interested in donating. But at the, fr- the beginning stages of, of getting this done, I, I put it out there and it's crazy that we've raised $10,000 at this point um, without me having to go and like poke people a lot for, for donations. So, um, there, there have been a few times where people have been like, has so-and-so donated yet? And I, my response is nobody owes me anything. (laughs) So it's very true just because I'm like, I'm going to do this amazing thing and you know me, it doesn't mean that you have to support me in what I do. I mean, granted, it would be nice if you support me emotionally. Um, but financially everybody's in a different place. Sometimes even people with lots of money, sometimes they just donate or maybe something came up in their family and they're, they're paying for something, um, that isn't in their typical budget and they, they're just worried. So, um, build your community, but don't, ex- don't feel like they owe you anything. It's more like reward your community for being a part of your community. And that's my hope uh, as a part of Movement Headquarters to be able to reward everybody that's a part of my community with uh, what we have to offer. And we're hoping to offer a lot more than just uh, main stage performances, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, oh, this has been really interesting. Uh, dancers feed on potential work like bees feeding on nectar. Um, remember when I first started teaching open class, uh, I didn't have too many professional dancers taking my class and all of a sudden there are professional dancers like popping into my class. Um, (laughs) or like at one of the weirdest things about the showing that we had at the Martha Graham, uh, studios was that, I mean, it was amazing. All of these dancers showed up to see what was happening. Um, but then afterwards, I had a lot of people coming up to introduce themselves to me. Um, and it's funny because, like, I've done it myself. Like, no shame in my game. Like, I did it. Um, but it's just been very interesting to be on the other side to see how uh, when you have something that when, – when you have something to offer, people are more likely to – step onto your radar um when you don't when you're really just like teaching classes people will if they like your class they'll come if they don't they won't uh but people are much more aggressive when it comes to uh actually having a company but also like the way that people approach you some people get really shy where like you've talked to them a lot in the past and then all of a sudden like they're afraid to talk to you. Um, other people get really chatty where you're like, I don't even know you. And now like you're talking to me all the time. Um, some people get aggressive. Some people are very chill. It's just been very interesting to see that whole process. Um, and that was very unexpected for me because I've never, I've never been on this side before. What else? Uh, oh, this is a good one. Nobody likes asking people for money. 
Um, <laughs> I know some people are good at it, but I don't honestly think that anybody likes reaching out to a donor or writing grants um, or being like, yo, support me. It's just awkward. Like money is such an awkward thing to talk about. It's kind of like when I was freelancing and I would have to talk about like negotiating salaries. A lot of times I would be like, how much does this, does this gig pay? And they would be like, well, what is your regular rate? And then I would be like, well, what if I responded? Well, let me, tell me what's your budget. Like, let's go back and forth a thousand times. It's just awkward talking about money. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a director of a major company, a small company, a new company, whether you're a dancer, whether you're a potential donor, um, or anything in between. It's a, it's not comfortable, but it's a necessary skill if you want to be a creator so if you are interested in uh, creating a company, creating productions, or being an entrepreneur just in general, like you have to figure out how to be comfortable with talking money with people, sort of getting a gauge of like their feelings. Because some people actually want to be asked, like they're not going to give you money if you don't ask. I know that's contrary to what I was saying before. Because um, I mean, I have asked a very few people, but... Um, some people won't, they'll actually wait till you ask for how much too. So you could say like $5 and they'd be like, oh yeah, sure. Um, but you could have said a thousand dollars and they'll, they, they'll still give you five. So, but then you could say like $10,000 and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not giving you anything. That's crazy. You think I'm going to give you $10,000? Um, but yeah, so that's been very, uh, interesting to, to, to experience that whole, that whole, uh, how do you fund a company, but keep your friends, <laughs> your family, and your community? It's been very interesting. Um, something else I've learned. This was very good advice that I got from another company director that I've befriended in the city. Her name's Donna Salgado. Um, she said, always follow through with your promises to your dancers first. Um, and we were talking about pay. Uh, and that's just something that you need to know like i feel it's this has been such a tough transition going from dancer to director because i remember what it was like freelancing and i wrote many many blogs on my life of a freelance dancer blog about like respecting artists and paying dancers properly um and now that i'm on the other side like i realize how difficult it is to fund a company and like it's almost embarrassing to ask a dancer to, to dance for you for very little money. But at the same time, how do you get more money? You have to pre present a product and then you have to show that product to people and then they want to invest in it. Um, so it's, it's, it's given me a lot of perspective, like reading a lot of dance magazine articles. I, I constantly see articles about like, you have to pay your dancers properly, but it's so hard to build something from scratch um, to get enough money to pay your dancers properly. So there's going to be many years where I'm going to be like knocking my head into the wall, trying to figure out how to get more money so that I can give my dancers a livable wage. Um, so it's been really good for me to be on the other side of that, but I just wish that we could make it happen a lot faster. But yeah, so always follow through with your, your promises to your dancers first. Oh, something else I learned. This is so. This is advice that I got from a former ballet master with Pacific Northwest Ballet, who's a very close friend of mine. Um, right before the show, he wasn't able to come because he was still he was still out of town. But he goes, if it goes, if the, if the this is about the showing at Martha Graham, he goes, if it goes great, then great, and if it doesn't go great, it'll still be great because you will learn so much from it. And I think that was such good advice. Um, 
I think that we always feel like our product has to be like 100% every single time. But if you really want to be in something for the long run, you have to realize that there's going to be a lot of times that uh, things don't go how you want them to go, but it doesn't mean that you're, you're turning out a bad product. Um, like for instance, uh, there was a, a showing that we did earlier this year. And for me, like in comparison to the first time that this pot was performed, I was like, oh, it wasn't quite up to the, the par of what I wanted it to be. Um, but then I was like, okay, wait, these dancers have, have barely worked with me. Um, we had barely any rehearsal, um, and they were able to do a really good job. And if I get to work with them again and they get more used to me and, uh, we get to really build it up, like it could be even better than it was before. So for me, I was actually very proud of them because, uh, proud of my dancers because, um, they did well for what it was in the moment. Um, so even though it didn't go great, um, it still was very good. And it also, it gave me some perspective. It, it gave me a chance to work with dancers. It gave me a chance to let them work with me. It gave me a chance to see what was working and what wasn't. Um, and then hopefully we can only grow from there. Such, such good advice. Good advice. What else? I've learned that you will work harder than you have ever worked before if you run your own business. Um, I mean, I've been freelancing for years and that was like running my own business. Um, and I mean, I had no problems like writing blogs till two o'clock in the morning or like looking for work or just like teaching from 9 a.m. until 9 p.m. and doing things like that. Obviously, like transport between not like 12 hours straight teaching, but um like teaching one place, running another place, teaching that place, and then getting on train two hours and then teaching there. Like I've done that. So like I know how to work hard, but I have never worked harder than the two weeks leading up to the showing that we had in August. Um, it takes a lot of grit and you have to be willing to sacrifice a lot. Um, and I feel like those, like those two weeks prior to the showing, like I remember bits and pieces, but it was such a blur because there were so much, so many tasks that needed to be done. Um, but it was crazy because like I worked harder than I ever worked. And then all of a sudden Thursday night. So th- this is like, we had our showing on a Saturday, Thursday night at like one thirty in the morning. I was like, okay, I need to go through my list to see what I have to do tomorrow. And I was in this like panicked state and I read through it and I was like, I only have one or two things to do tomorrow that are absolutely necessary. And I was like, oh my God, I actually don't have to like go crazy the next two days, um, which was really, really validating. Um, but yeah, you will work harder than you have ever worked before if you want to be successful and you uh, are, are starting a business. Another thing that I learned, well, I didn't learn this. I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. But uh, trying to find ways to minimize stress and to make sure that uh, – there are appropriate mechanisms to cope with that stress. I've seen directors like scream at people when something goes wrong uh, the day of the show or the day before a show. And now I recognize that maybe they aren't just like complete and utter assholes. Maybe like there were 50,000 other things that they were coping with. And this was like the straw that broke the camel's back when they just couldn't hold their emotions in. Not that that's appropriate, but it just gave me some perspective. Um, for me, like, I've talked about this a lot in here. I have really bad anxiety. And I think that when my anxiety gets really, really bad, I just go numb to it. Like it's there and I'm completely aware of it, but I just like let it be. And I just keep on going and going. And it was really interesting coming out of the showing because like everything was stressful. We get to, we get to Saturday, the showing goes well. It's like elation afterwards. The next day was like being on a high. 
Um, and then like, as that week, I was still kind of on a high for a couple of days. And as that week, like went away, I've recognized that like my heart was palpitating and I had a lump in my throat. I couldn't breathe. Um, but I had, so I posted about this on Instagram. I actually had like, my doctor did a, did an EKG and she said that my, I had a low heart rate. So they did like another test that she suggested I see a cardiologist. And I was like, okay, all these things are here because obviously there's something wrong with my heart, which obviously, again, obviously my anxiety. So I was like, I'll be, I'll go to the, the cardiologist. She'll tell me I need medication or that I need to have like a pacemaker put in and all will be fine because that will solve the lump and my breathing and my, uh, everything else, the palpitations. Um, so I go to the cardiologist and she like looks at all my tests. She's like, you're fine. She's like, there's nothing wrong with you. And I was like, I'm not dying. <laughs> but at the same time, like in with like within 30 seconds, as she's talking to me, I suddenly realized like how out of control my stress and anxiety got and that it was taking weeks for it to, to go down. So um, I've learned that I need to figure out better ways to cope with stress and anxiety um, because when you are responsible for many working parts, you are, it's inevitable that you're going to handle, that you're, you're going to have lots of stress. Um, and if you don't have coping mechanisms for that, then you're going to be SOL. Um, so I, that's something that I've learned that I actually need to work on. I need to figure out how to handle my anxiety because it, it's, it was completely out of control. I'm feeling better now, but um, yeah, I'll get into that another point. And then lastly, Oh, my last note. When you succeed, be sure that you celebrate it. It can be so easy to like look at the things that went wrong um, or to like immediately start to think about the future and the next thing that you have to work on. But one thing that I did this time after the showing was like I went out to dinner with friends and family and I went out to drink with drinks with friends. And the next day, like my husband treated me to a massage and a friend came over and then I made sure that when, when I talked to people that I, I noted like the good things that happened. Like there were a couple of little things that happened. One of our dancers got injured and couldn't perform. Um, somebody crashed the event, which I thought was actually amazing and hilarious. That wasn't a bad thing, but, um, it was, there, there were little things that could have been better. Our, our, our video footage got messed up. Um, the lighting wasn't great for our photographer. Um, but like in reality, there were so many amazing things to celebrate. And the fact that I was able to put that on with uh, minimal help, but of course help from other people, but with, with, with minimal uh, employees and things like that, it was just quite amazing. So one thing that I learned is that it can be easy to get like stuck in the grind and the things that go wrong, but you really do have to celebrate when you do something well, because that's why we do it. If you don't celebrate the positive things, eventually nothing's going to feel good or feel like it's uh, a major success and you're just going to want to stop because that's just like how people work. So yeah, these are the things that I have learned. Life things uh, thus far creating uh, Movement Headquarters Ballet Company. Um, I hope that this has provided some valuable insight for you. If you are a dancer, I hope that you see what it's like on the other side. If you're thinking of starting your own business, I hope you see what it's like to start your own business. Um, and I'm sure there are many other lessons in here for all different types of communities. So um, I, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. And, and if uh, I haven't had a listener topic in quite a while, so if you have any listener topics that you would like me to uh, touch upon, definitely let me know. I would love to do a listener episode uh, coming up in the near future. So yeah, with that, I wish you a happy fall. I can't wait to share some exciting uh, 
things coming up in the next few weeks to months. Um, and with that, I bid you adieu. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrykerolis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerolis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolos, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to check out my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer, and that's at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com. I wrote on there for five years about working as a freelance artist and independent contractor. I also have Dancing Off Stage, and you can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And I wrote on there about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have a YouTube channel if you would like to check out my choreography, and you can find that by going to youtube.com, going to their search panel, and typing in B. Carolis. Thanks for listening in to Pot of Chat. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.